Sirens of the Future talking about Joe Biden, president-elect, and a divided government. Well, some people say he's well, right. president-elect. You're right. As Trump, as President Trump has said, and other Trump supporters, the media does not declare the winner of the election. Uh-huh. The voters do. That's right. But I think the media is going off what the voters said. It seems like it. It seems like it. <laughs> it uh, seems like so. Um, yeah. You know, apparently there's going to be some recounts. That's fine. Uh, you know, as long as there's cause to do such things, go ahead and do it. But uh, I think the writing is on the wall. Yeah, I think we have accepted that Joe Biden will be the president-elect. Yeah, and, and you know they were talking about this morning on NPR. It's not. I like it's con- constitutionally required for the former president who lost to concede the election. Right. Yes. It's just tradition. Right. And if there's ever a guy who is not right terribly concerned, concerned with traditions, his name is Donald Trump. So, yeah. So, that's always at a hard, it has to be a hard speech to make. On, most of the time it's on election day where right. you, you make the phone call to the winner and you congratulate, then you have to walk out there and, you know, give a speech and, you know, uh, thank all your supporters and say, but we lost, you right. know. And so that's a, I'm glad I've never had to do that. We'll never have to do that. Right. That seems like just like almost an impossible thing to write, too. Mm-hmm. How do you write a concession speech? Well, I tell you, I've read, or not actually even read them, I watched them, uh, John McCain's concession, right. as well as George H.W. Bush when he was beaten by Clinton back in 92. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were very well done. You know, look, uh People who care about the country can write these and say, you know, look, it's a good country. Uh, we, this, is, this is how we operate. You guys speak, and the majority speaks, and then we listen. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's very important that the country come together, and I think that's why, you know, President Trump conceding sooner than later would be super helpful for the country just to move forward. Um, just a, It's been a tough year. It's been a long election. It's... Obviously, you know, this election started in 2019, and it ended where it ended, and it would just be nice to be able to move on right. and not drag this thing out anymore. I agree. I, um, all right, predictions, uh, Matt. Uh, will Donald Trump concede at all, uh, or well, will it just the day come and he'll, you know, walk his, off into the sunset? His current chief of, Steve, chief of staff wrote an, an article in the Wall Street Journal saying he was... It, based off the conclusion of the recounts that he will gracefully concede. Really? But that's his chief of staff. <laughs> right, yeah. So uh, sure that's coming from the master himself. Because so. honestly, I mean, of all the things that I think we've seen out of Donald Trump, it's certainly not his style to gracefully accept the, a defeat. No. I, I think that he's the kind of guy to go, you know what, I'm going to keep saying this was rigged and uh, if I have to leave, I have to, but I'm not going to call it. Yeah. That's probably very, I mean, he's just not a, that's just not his style, is it? I mean, he's just not a a man who, even for a moment, can admit defeat. Right. right. Yeah, it seems like the, that's sort of a, a certain kind of business persona that uh, never good for your stock quota to admit that you lost. You know, if right. there's people out there who don't want to accept it, why don't you just kind of Stick with those people. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll see. Uh, I don't think it's a big deal either way. Honestly, I don't care if he concedes uh, from the standpoint of, you know, look, it, it's not as if after a, a sports uh, competition you need to hear the other teams come up and say, hey, we are the team that lost. Right. We accept our defeat. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. We, we recognize this is a great game. 
Yeah. Uh, we want to make sure people still stay involved in this game. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that it's it's a decorum yeah. sort of thing. And yeah. Um, but I, I know that Peggy Noonan gets into this a little bit in her article that we're going to talk about. But I just, I mean, I guess it's not a huge surprise that Trump did this on the day of the election, of the night of the election, and then during the week of the the counting of the votes in some of the, the states that were kind of toss-ups, but to come out and say that the, the vote was a fraud, and uh, it's, it's so heartful. Um, just to, like, I, I don't know what you thought about it. Maybe you didn't think much about it, but I just feel like, I mean, it says something about us as a society and a country that we always, in his mindset, we can't count our votes. Right, sure. And we can't have, even though we've been doing this since, you know, the late 1780s, we've been casting presidential votes for our president and it's counted and then there's you know a transition of power but he is saying that we can't do it it's a fraud like these are these the person who won is not who the media has said is won there's something wrong in the votes and you know that just we obviously are not a, a country where there's like a top top tier uh um organizing uh, group that does all the elections, right? States mm-hmm. do the elections and county uh, election commissioners right. do the elections, right? It's a very d- democratic system. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very American in the way that we do our elections, and uh, I just don't like it. I don't like what Trump said. I don't like him coming out and saying it's a fraud, you know, the, the election was stolen from me. Like, this right. isn't... I don't know, maybe this is kind of... Uh, maybe this is a sense of a pride that we're not like an Eastern European country, right? right. We're not Russia, Right, and, and you know... Which has that problem. One thing to be yeah. thankful mm-hmm. for is that in a lot of places in this world, that's a real concern. Not it only a real concern, concern. It's, it's known that there's right. so much corruption that right. you can't count on right. uh, elections and ballots that it's, it's so rigged. I mean, um, just a, a story, a family member of mine uh, adopted a child from Haiti, mm-hmm. and... When you try to work through the government there, so much works off of bribes, uh, works off of um, just basically greasing the wheels by the shady ways of how you get anything done. You can't just uh, expect, like most people do here, that, hey, this is the government. They're not not corrupt. They're not going to try to twist me around. Uh, Certainly in a lot of other countries that they do that. And Mm. and, uh, meanwhile... It's just not the case here, you know. Yeah. Uh, every state is responsible for their votes. Uh, I yeah. was hearing this morning that uh, each secretary of state is responsible to accurately report that the voting has been done uh, appropriately. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when recounts are requested, sure. if it is, uh, if it's reasonable, they'll be done. Um, and so uh, I'm sure that they will be in certain places, given that the voting is very close in a lot of states. Um, but uh, as far as we can tell, yep. Yeah. Joe Biden will be the next president. Yeah. Yeah. And as uh, as someone who uh, uh, am not, I don't, you know, I'm not a Democrat. You know, I never voted for a Democrat in that presidential election. It's the it is the biblically commanded that we honor yeah. the leader, and so yeah. therefore we should pray for our leader, as sure. Peter says in First Peter. So yep, that's what we should do. Yeah. Um, and um, and so I'm I'm ready to move on praying for Joe Biden and and supporting him and hoping he does well right. you know, as our new leader. I agree. So, so we're going to talk about today this article by Peggy Noonan, like you mentioned, from the Wall Street Journal just uh, last Saturday called America Chooses Divided Government. Um, 
And that is the overall picture. Uh, Joe Biden uh, has won the uh, Electoral College, uh, it looks like. Uh, but as of right now, uh, Republicans actually gain seats in the House of Representatives very unexpectedly. Very unexpectedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, she talks in here of uh, the, the expected blue wave uh, that didn't come. Right. But then, uh, what is the current status of the Senate in those races, Matt? Uh, so it looks like the Republicans are going to hold on to the majority of the Senate. They, um, I think... Still counting in 52, Georgia. Yeah, Georgia's still close. I think North Carolina is still close. Uh, those are the two big sta- uh, states that I think are close. But it seems like the Republicans... Oh, and I think the Georgia is going to be a runoff because you have to get 50% of the vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Republican, Purdue, didn't get 50% of the vote. So there'll be a runoff okay. I think in January um, and so that is to be determined um, uh, so we'll see if that actually affects the Republican in a positive in every way that now that Trump's not on the ballot yeah. in a runoff so right. likely um, Republicans will hold on to those two seats and so I think they'll have like a is it 52 vote majority either 51 or 52 so they'll have a slight majority right. in the Senate um, and so what's, we were talking about this earlier. What's so interesting is, is that, um, the thought was, is that, you know, Repu- uh, Democrats are going to be able to flip a lot of these, these Senate races, like in Maine with yep. Susan Collins and right. Susan Collins gotten in some trouble with some of her, with some, some of the independents in her state because she sided with Brett Kavanaugh. Like yep. she voted for Brett, even though she didn't vote for Amy. Tony Barrett. Tony Barrett, because she thought that it was, that the new president should vote on that new seat um and so she didn't um nominate or, or, or you know uh approve her yeah um and so there was a thought was that susan collins would lose in maine um there's also thoughts that uh lindsey graham was gonna lose right well, she uh, there was a all. lot of money that was poured into south carolina i think uh there was 100 million dollars was spent on that race and he only spent 30 million and was able to win pretty handily right. uh mitch mcconnell Right, pretty I, I don't know. Uh, you know, you look back and you kind of wonder more about how uh, realistic or how much uh, stock there was in this. But um, I know they wanted to unseat Mitch McConnell. It's kind of a oh, dream sure. to unseat oh, yeah. someone who has a lot of power in a yep. party. Um, but that one uh, was not close either. No, uh, that one wasn't close. I'm trying to think of uh, other ones that were. Um, that were toss-ups, um, none of them coming. To, well, the one that the Republicans did lose was in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Kelly won that one. Right. Um, former astronaut Mark former Kelly. Former astronaut. His wife uh, was a Democratic. Gabby. Gabby, yeah. Uh, she ran for president, didn't she? I can't remember. Can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, but anyways, he, he won Arizona. And Arizona was an interesting state in this election because you can tell the the, just the momentum and the growth of Latino votes, voters, especially in Arizona, which Arizona has prominently been a red state, yeah. uh, has gone Republican most of the time, um, but they were able to not only, uh, Biden was able to flip the state to him, to him, but also they were able to win that Senate seat. Yeah. Um, and so, that used to be John McCain's seat, I think, I believe. Oh, yeah. Um, and so, um, but anyway, so there was, you know, there was, you know, uh, there was some seats that did flip over to Democrats, and um, there were a few though that um, you know Republicans were able to win back the seat in Alabama, the one that Sessions had at one point, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and uh, so Republicans now have full control of the 
of that of that caucus, of those two seats in Alabama. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens two years from now. Right. But it seems interesting. You had Biden winning, and he was doing well in some, you know, like we talked about Arizona especially, and Georgia as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Biden won Georgia. That's a significant change. Yes. However, the Republicans were able to narrow the gap in the House. Mm-hmm. That was not that was not expected at no, all. No, they they the Democrats in, in polling projected that yeah they Democrats would gain seats in the House and that uh, and in the Senate. That was the assumption was that, that Biden was going to win by a landslide that the Democrats were going to expand their majority in the House and also take over the Senate. So right. there was going to be a complete Democratic government. Um, but it's it's so fascinating the way the elections end up happening in that the election, the presidential election was closer than people mm-hmm. thought. And then the Republicans were able to hold on to the Senate. Right. Uh, and actually were competitive. And the one like the, we were talking about earlier, the, uh, the Republican candidate in the Michigan race uh, my father actually gave some money to his race. That was a very close right. Senate race. Um, and uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in two years. You know, Biden really is doesn't have a, a huge mandate. I mean, he won narrowly. Um, the, his, the, the House is narrow. The Senate, he did not. His coattails were really short. He didn't mm-hmm. have any at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. He's kind of put in a really bad situation because Trump was so hated by so many people. And then Biden kind of rides his way into the White House, expected to do a lot, but I don't know if he's going to have a lot of political capital or power to be able to do anything. Right. I mean, uh, there's been a lot of talk the last few days that um, he and Mitch McConnell are expected to just spar for years. And, uh, you know, look, given the state of politics right now, um, if anybody would argue that Joe Biden has a mandate for massive change, then... uh, polarized politics means that Mitch McConnell will have a mandate to stop everything that he tries to do. Yeah. And that's just the way that's going to be. You know, uh, I expect Joe Biden's uh, policy proposals will be similar to uh, Barack Obama's, but Barack Obama had a House and Senate uh, that were Democratic majorities for uh, how many years in his presidency? Um, good, good question. Um I don't. I only think he had it for. I want to say two, two years. Two years sounds right. Two years, yeah. And then the Republicans took over the House, um, and um, it'll be it'll be. And I think it had a lot to do with the Affordable Care Act because they really had to like slam that thing in there. I mean, he, they they you know they say it when it comes to a president. And you probably know a little bit about this because you watch this those podcasts. You get you get a hundred days right. There's a hundred days in office, and that you really can only. Most presidents, especially nowadays, because of the division in, in the government, division in, the, in, in between the two parties, you know, a president really, if he doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of things that he can just accomplish in those 100 days. You've really got to pick one or two things mm-hmm. that you're willing to spend all your capital on. Um, and then after you've done that, you basically are going to probably try to run for re-election in, in a few more years. Like, it's, right. it's really, you have those 100 days, you have one big thing you can push, with with President Obama, he he chose healthcare, and he had to really. It was a dirty process, yeah. right? wasn't It wasn't uh, it wasn't bipartisan by any means, and that really did affect the rest of his presidency because right. that was really the only major thing he was able to accomplish legislatively. Most of the other things that he did was mostly foreign policy related. Well, and then uh, executive orders, uh, yeah, right? Things <laughs> like you know, same sex marriage. Uh, 
was an executive order in 2015. And uh, the, the health care issue, uh, Democrats have been working on that for years and years. I mean, uh, looking into that, when Bill Clinton was president, uh, yeah, that was something wise. Hillary Clinton yeah. was working on for years and years and years. Um, so then Barack Obama uh, made that his number one policy agenda. I'm looking at the. I'm going to look up a little bit. It, it, it seems like when the Republicans win the Georgia and North Carolina seats, they'll have 51 votes. Okay. The um, and so, um, so anyways, I wanted to look that up just to be for sure. Um, but um, but anyways, yeah, it's just, it's a it's it's interesting to see what I, I said before. Like uh, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to want Biden to do so much in those first two years. And I think they're going to be really frustrated when he's not able to accomplish because there's a divided government. He doesn't have a majority house. He doesn't have... I mean, he has a majority house, but he doesn't have a super a large majority in the house. Therefore, that not all the people in the house are strongly left, right? There's going to be uh, some people in the middle there. Um, so he's going to have to find a, a, a groove there of being able to be bipartisan. But a lot of people don't want bipartisanship they want the, him to kind of hammer in some some especially when it comes to maybe black lives matter type issues or other identity politic issues or even when it comes to um um climate change all these major like progressive liberal agendas they're going to want biden to really push hard on number one does he actually adopt those positions um that's the first thing and does he actually have Will he be able to push that through Congress? Yeah, the the toughest thing for the Democratic Party right now is uh, there was not uh, there were not gains. It was uh, nearly. Uh, I mean, you could argue that it was a, a repudiation of a lot of what's been talked about in the last say six months as far mm-hmm. as policy proposals, uh, because Democrats lost in a lot of places where they expected uh, and certainly hoped, but even uh, projected to win something like uh, Florida, uh, where, for instance, many Hispanic voters went mm-hmm. uh, to the Republican Party in this election. That was just not expected. Uh, and there's infighting right now in, in the Democratic Party about, you know, uh, anybody who's moderate is blaming, blaming the liberal wing, the, uh, those who are more on the liberal end or the farther left wing are blaming moderates and uh, yeah. and that's the way uh, that's going to shake out for now mm-hmm. uh, in the party. Yeah, and I think there is there is some, I've read some things that are, there was a little bit of frustration with with Biden and the campaign that they um, weren't able to uh, they weren't able to see more just more gains in some areas um, and I think this I think that's what's so interesting about this whole thing. Yeah, I think you know Democrats and liberals are excited that Trump's not the president. Well, he's still the president, but he's, you know, he's been he's not going to have a second outgoing, term. Yeah. yeah, he's outgoing. He's a lame duck, uh, and they are excited that Biden is now you know been elected. But they thought there was this, this massive blue wave, right? That was just going to like cleanse, cleanse Washington of all of this Republican um, holdback, and that's just not what happened. Right, and the. Which I know, you know, Peggy gets into it here as well. It's just like the assumptions. It says not only do the elites not understand the electorate, then the press does not understand the electorate, and the pollsters don't understand the electorate. But neither of the two parties 
understand the electric. Uh, electric. I, I think that is. I've been listening to some things here and there. I think there's just a, a huge shock that Trump would be able to that seventy million plus people, you know, voted for him. And right. I think there's just how could it be that close? Right. How could it be possible that he won Florida with fifty one percent of the vote? How right. is it possible? that he was able to almost win Pennsylvania and almost win Michigan right. again. Right. How is it right. possible that right. he that he was able to win Ohio by so much? Like, how is it possible? Right. I think it's the question that a lot of people are having, and I don't think they assume um, that there can be a good reason. I think the assumption, there can't be a good reason that anyone would ever vote for him. Right. I have heard some concern uh, among Democrats that they've lost touch with the working class. Yeah, uh, and that that is one of the lessons of this election is that no longer, uh, you know, I grew up hearing uh, as a, from a working class family in Southern Illinois, a very blue state. Uh, my grandfather uh, was what they called a blue dog Democrat, of yeah. which there are a few left, but not many. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the the old story is that Democrats are for the working man, yeah. and uh, I think that's certainly up in the air now. Yeah. That's just not uh, just not, sure not a truism anymore, no. uh, and and so so that's up for grabs, uh, and and you know if you are a Republican right now, you do have to look around and go. Somehow, there have been gains, um, and. If we can marshal our forces a little better, I, I, I don't know a lot of people who would say that, you know, Donald Trump's a strategic genius about appealing to various kinds of voters based upon their interests or, right. you know, and, and so uh, he has a personality cult that kind of follows him. He's a, he's a bold person, and, and so that seems to have drawn uh, a lot of people. I, I will uh, read one thing that, that she says here that I think is um, a lot of truth in this. Uh, she says, we focus on personas, but policies are often decisive in politics, and surely were this year. One way to say this is to ask a question. What happened between, between the mighty blue wave of 2018, when a triumphant Democratic Party gained 41 seats uh, in the House and seven governorships in the 2020 election, which had no blue wave? And I, I do agree with some things I've read elsewhere that what one probably the best way to describe what happened in this election is that there was a fairly significant blue wave, but it was met with a completely unexpected red wave uh, that the polling did not show uh, conservatives coming and the polling did show yeah. Democrats coming. Yeah, so yeah it, it, the thought was that Republicans may not... Uh, it, it's, it's all about getting the vote out. Yes. And Republicans, from what I've heard, have, are, are, are farther ahead when it comes to... This is going to sound like a really, like secretive terminology, but, like, Republicans are, are more advanced than Democrats on data mm-hmm. collection and, and getting the people who favor them to the polls. Um, and uh, Trump, I, I don't know if it's a Republican uh, party convention set up or if it, even Trump has brought in this with some of the people that have supported him or are part of his campaign, but they get people to the polls... Um, Trump has not struggled. The reason why he won in 2016 is because of Democratic um, just not happy with Clinton, Hillary Clinton being the candidate. Yeah. And you know, a lot of people say, hold. Yeah. That was how Trump won. Yeah. That's how he won Pennsylvania. That's how he won Michigan. That's how he won Wisconsin. This time around, Biden 
was someone that Democrats were willing to support and they were willing to go out to the polls and vote for him, right? He yeah. got more votes than President Obama did. So there was a, there was a, well, there was a, a, a wealth of anti-Trump and um, that this is someone, yes, he's been in the, in the Senate for 40 plus years. Yes, he's 77 years old. He's not like some young, energetic right. leader. However, he's not seen as corrupt. And so, therefore, he doesn't have the name Clinton on the end of his name, and he was vice president during President Obama's eight years as in office, and so that was a favorable mm-hmm. candidate for them to go out to the polls, and um, and so so yeah, it just you know, really shows like you know Trump for all of his um, limitations and issues, he does speak to the working voter, um, and he does really well with with white men. Um, he does well with white women as well, which is so surprising. It, it, I think Democrats cannot understand how yeah. well Trump does with white women. He's able to do well with Latino men. Uh, he did better with black men this go around than he did in twenty sixteen. It seems That's like a small percentage. Mi- it is a small percentage, but it, elections are always in the margins, right? Right. He went from what eight to thirteen percent. He went to thirteen to eighteen percent. Thirteen to eighteen. But it shows that they, it's a it's a kind of a huge gender division here yes. that. Men, for whatever reason, uh, well, the reason is is that Trump has this kind of proud to be an American kind of approach, and and uh, he he's he, he's he's fighting for the working man, right? Uh, especially, and I think that that persona and those and those positions and policies, you know, inspire men to support him, right? And so, and I think you saw that not only in twenty sixteen, but you saw it repeated itself in 2020 right uh she did say this lots of things uh might have led to this uh lack of uh blue wave to overcome uh the republican party but uh but one was a year of democratic presidential debates she says in which week after week the party painted itself as deeply progressive the candidates were down with identity politics would ban private health insurance were for essentially open borders um I wrote wonderingly after the first debate, she says that the entire party seemed to have picked itself up and placed itself down outside the mainstream and apart from the center. And, and here's, I, I watched uh, a fair amount of the debates and kept up uh, with the things that were said. I, I would be very surprised if any of the Democratic candidates said, no, we're against identity politics. Uh, the private health insurance, I, would they come out and say that they're going... They want to ban private health insurance. I don't think they would say that. Right. Um, it was said in the debates, in the, but in the Democratic debates, the, the the you want to like almost like position yourself so far to the left, but then when you actually run for president, you start to move yourself. Even during the uh, the vice president debate, uh, Kamala Harris said multiple times that Biden was not against fracking, but yet she was against it. And so you just you can see where where the right. politicians will move down the scales. Yeah depending on who they're trying to appeal to. Now, on this third issue, I do think she has a point in that every question that was ever asked, what do you do about borders, there was certainly nothing said. That, you know, that there is a fear um, to to say anything. And and I think part of the problem with that is is their polling, is that uh, it's a diverse coalition within the Democratic Party, and there are some who say, I want no... Uh, no restrictions around borders, and there were some who would say reasonable restrictions and on right. down the line, and so they then stay away from answering those kinds of questions because you want to try to please uh, everybody. Yeah, and it is a hot button issue, and you know, um, 
yeah, it, I think you'll find, again, like, it's so interesting, though, like, because it depends on what Biden picks as his main issue. He could pick immigration as his one issue that he wants to push through. And he probably maybe or is able to get that passed in some form, like President Obama got the Affordable Care Act uh, passed. But will he pick that as his issue? That will be the issue. Like, that will be the question. If he doesn't pick that as his issue, I wouldn't be surprised if immigration is still the, one of the major issues come next election. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's just the way it will go. And if, he, and, and if he wants re-election, rarely will he actually get to be able to even do anything with that. So it may not be till eight years, and it will be another Democratic debate issue. Like, what are we going to do with immigration? Because right. nothing really has changed, right. you know, ever. Right. So um, it'll be interesting to see what he picks. Right. So, I yeah, you know, I just I was reading over some other things, and um, uh, the, it, when they were talking about it on on uh, again on NPR this morning about the small minority coalitions of voters that had such a significant impact on the election. So in Arizona, Latino voters were huge. Nevada and Arizona were two major states that determined the election, where mm-hmm. uh, there's a lot of Latino voters in those particular states. You take black voters in Michigan and in, in Wisconsin, uh, Milwaukee County uh, in, in Wisconsin and Wayne County in Michigan has a very sizable black population. Well, they think the issue would happen in 2016, and the reason why Trump was able to win those two states is that black voters did not support Hillary the same level that they supported Biden. Yeah. And I right. think it's interesting going forward, Democrats are in an interesting position. They had these... These minority uh, voting coalitions that strongly supported them, I mean, they came out to vote. Not mm-hmm. that there's a, a change in percentage of voters between Latino, oh, amongst blacks or even Latinos, but like more of them went out to vote. Mm-hmm. I think that was the significant thing. They, especially with the mail-in voting, maybe that was one of the reasons why. You saw a lot more mail-in votes go for Biden than for Trump. It will be interesting going forward if that puts the Democrats in a, in a tricky situation because you have these... These, if immigration isn't something that they fo- that they focus on, well, will those Latino voters support them four years from now, or will right. they stay at home? Right. If black voters don't see that um, the White House is pushing for more justice reform um, or more uh, inequality in other areas, uh, especially amongst race, will they show up to vote in four years? That's that's the kind of tricky thing right. going forward. They support you now, but will. They be there to support you in four years, and it just gets really tricky because you you have divided government. So what can he accomplish other than executive orders? But executive orders aren't law in the sense that a, a president four years later can basically restrict all this. Right, they time. basically made uh, presidential elections even more um, important because, as as has already been said by Joe Biden, as as was said by Donald Trump, uh, executive orders will be coming out rapid fire to reverse the, the ones of the previous policy. And um, Barack Obama uh, used executive orders in a, a machine gun fashion. So did Obama. Uh, yeah. And in, in, a, in a way more prominent than any other presidential candidate. And so then with, with uh, following that uh, trend, Donald Trump has been issuing executive orders in rapid-fire fashion for the last four years. Of course, you had eight years of uh, Barack Obama as president, then four years of Donald Trump as president. Um, But that's those are the consequences of elections now, and so we expect the same uh, from Joe Biden. 
I'm just scrolling through the executive orders signed by President Trump. It's a fairly long scroll. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that's one of my biggest problems. I think there's like, there's an issue with the American governmental structure is that, so the number, the chief branch going right now is the judicious, judicial branch, which yeah. the, fr- the, fra- the framers installed the legislative branch to be the strongest, right? Right. Because it's the, it's the representative of the people, right? And they're individual states yep. and districts. The president now, as a as a as a position, is not necessarily the chief legislator. He's not trying to get legislative passed through Congress. He's yep. just signing executive orders. Yep. Um, and I think that this is this is an interesting thing going forward. Is that if the legislative branch continues to do, then to be so divided and aren't able to compromise and and create bipartisanship and create get bills passed. And the president isn't one uh, levying these these people and debating with these people and, and, and selling with these people like the initiatives that he would like to get passed with the legislative branch. And the judicious branch either says, oh, this law is unconstitutional, this law is constitutional. Like there's a, there's a, ma- there's a major issue going forward because we're basically electing presidents not to get bills passed, but just to sign the executive orders for four years. Yes, and probably that... Um my greatest concern right now is the expectations of people in this country. Uh, we are a divided country, increasingly so. Um, partisanship and division has increased year after year. And given that, my, explan- uh, my understanding and my expectation is if we are this divided, then not much should happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the way that government was designed mm-hmm. uh, is that if we are divided, then change is fairly difficult on purpose. Mm-hmm. The, the, the designers, uh, the framers of the Constitution, the, the founders of the country uh, purposefully did not make a direct democracy out of this country because uh, <laughs> though, though many of us have heard of uh, maybe a book or um, an idea called The Wisdom of Crowds, uh, crowds are also capable of much foolishness. And sure. so the founders of this country knew that. Uh, they had seen, uh, I think we've talked about this multiple times recently, that people who came to this country had come out of a couple hundred years of religious wars in Europe, and they had seen crowds of people uh, kill yeah. each other, maim each other. England, France. Uh, and, and, <laughs> It's the name of two division within yeah. countries, d- right. division across national boundaries. They they did they were not under any kinds of uh, false ideas like oh if you you just let people have their way everybody will get along. Uh, no, they they knew there was evil in the hearts of men and that you constrain it uh, by not just letting crowds do as they please. Right. That's why things like the electoral college exist. Uh, and so given that I am perfectly comfortable with a fairly gridlocked USA given, look, we, we have elected, uh, a nearly exactly divided down the middle Senate, but with a minor Republican majority, we have elected a nearly divided down the middle, uh, house of representatives, but with a slight democratic majority. So how can we expect mm-hmm. rapid change right. when the country's not 
there. Right. And that's why I think the, the need to getting, if things are going to get, even like the Civil Rights Act, right? That was something that Lyndon Johnson pushed through Congress, right? right? That was a, a legislative uh, law that was passed by the House and the Senate. It was voted and was signed by the President right. of the United States. That doesn't happen as much as it needs to happen in the sense that if, if the President wants to get something done, say it's, it's immigration, mm-hmm. he wants to get immigration done, well, you have to find a way to compromise to get that through both parties. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that is, um, and, and I think it's going to take some leaders who are willing to go, this, this particular issue is, is good for the country, and the way that we're going to do this is we're going to go in this direction, and I believe that it's the best for the country, and regardless if it causes me to lose the, my next election, you just there's not a lot of that going on, right? There's not right. a lot of... As President Kennedy's book, Profiles of Courage. Yes, and that something <laughs> Which that, is a great book to read if you want to read some, a, a good political book on some history and some people who are in political positions throughout American history. It's Profiles of Courage. And there's not a lot of those courageous leaders who are saying, for the sake of the country, I'm going to basically fall on the sword right. when it comes to my political future. Well, and that's something that we should say, is that it might sound a little bit idealistic to some people to go... You know, hey, if, if compromise isn't possible, then there shouldn't be any change. Right. But look, uh, yes, I do believe that Republicans should come up with their best policy proposals. Democrats should come up with theirs. And then you're dealing with uh, numbers in a yeah. lot of these yeah. and come to a compromise on yeah. the numbers. Now, there is that there has been on the part of uh, both parties uh, maneuvers like you're talking about to say, well, we're not going to make any deals for the next four years. Right. We don't want you all to look. We don't good. want you to look good. Yeah, and, that's just, and, and that's can't not. Do that. You can't do that. That's that, not that gridlock. Is, that's that's totally something. That's that's just like it's all about it's, that winning is sabotage. A, it's, yeah, it's winning. It's winning elections. It's blackmail. It's just right. not helpful in moving the country forward. But as the the great Josh Lyman says, there's only two reasons why government doesn't do something: it's either politics or it's money. So we think about money or you think about politics, but politics is, is polling. It's what are the people's views on it? But here's the other issue. People don't know the intricacies and details of some of these laws and bills. Right. They, you're expecting people to have this depth knowledge of immigration. Right. I don't have that. Right. And we're more interested in a lot of this stuff than some people. And you're expecting, well, 70% of, the, of this group of people don't think we should do this. Right. They don't know. They don't know the details. You've got to sell it to them. You've got to persuade them like you persuade them as voters, right? Mm-hmm. You have to get them on your side through persuasion, through data, and through um, through arguments. And you don't just go, well, they're against it, so we're not going to go for it. Right. It's just like that's not leadership. Right. That's that's just kind of you know just holding on to power and, and a position, and you're going to do whatever you can to hold on to that position. And I just don't know if... You know, obviously, that's always been true about governments and politicians right. since time you know, immemorial. Since, yeah, since time started. So, um, but there's going to be have to be some leaders, regardless if they're Republicans or Democrats, who go, "We have to do what's best for the country, not what's best for me politically." Right. And if there, that doesn't happen, then yeah, you're going to have gridlock. But gridlock for a decade and another decade is an issue, right? It it's is, a huge issue. And, and I mean, and I think right within that, what do we do about it? I think this is a call to courage on the part of uh, 
politicians. Yeah. And uh, look, if you've if you have an office, then those those people voted you in there to serve their interests. Uh, and there was a story she mentions uh, right here, a great story of courage. Uh, you mentioned the uh, the cost that Susan Collins was expected to pay for backing uh, Brett Kavanaugh and his mm-hmm. appointment to the Supreme Court. Uh, she took heavy fire back home. Peggy Noonan says her eventual opponent, Maine House Speaker Sarah Gideon, vowed to take her out on that vote alone. Uh, but what struck me, Peggy Noonan says, was the care and respect with which Ms. Collins explained her decision on the floor of the Senate. Last month, she opposed the confirmation of Justice Amy Coney Barrett, as you mentioned, in fairness to the American people, uh, who will either be re-electing the president or selecting a new one. The decision on the nominee should be made by whoever is elected on November 3rd. And for this, she took fire from conservatives, mm-hmm. who had long dismissed her as a Republican in name only. Uh, but when everyone else was scared, she took tough votes, tough stands, and shared her thinking. And look, uh, the accepted wisdom over the last four years was, oh, if she made uh, people on the more liberal side mad when she ju- backed Justice Brett Kavanaugh, uh, the, and if she also made people on the conservative side mad when she opposed Amy Coney Barrett, well, then she's done for. Right. And it, this is the thing that I, to any politician that would ever even get within earshot of this or anyone who might hear or have the ear of a politician, please, what people long for right now is honesty yep. and follow-through, yep. honor. Yep. yep. That, you, that you actually, listen, in a, in a time where we have pluralism, Yes, there are people who will have different principles, but have some principles. Have some principles, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Stand by right. yep. whatever your principles right. actually are. Take some time, search your heart, right. decide what you stand for, and then right. stand for it. And look, this woman is rewarded yeah. and for I having think, principles. And I think the, the issue is, well, you know, we're re- representative of the people. So your leaders are the people. The people follow your leadership. They don't... They don't. You don't follow them. We're all wherever they're going. I'm going to go with that's them. Right. Like, well, you're not a leader. You're just a. You're a hired hand. But that's not. We don't elect hired hands. We right. elect I, leaders. I, I I would hope that we mm. elect people to represent the best of yeah. that part of the state. And and yeah, I tell absolutely. you what. I don't know very much about Maine, but I think Susan Collins is doing a fine job representing the people of Maine. Uh, yeah, another chapter of Profile of Courage with Senator Collins. You know, good for her yeah. to, to take on both sides of, yeah. of the establishment right now. But, but again, there were so many people who would say, well, listen, if you choose a side, you better than just start pandering to that side right. only. Right. And that's just not the answer right. today from the standpoint of whatever you actually stand for and what your people stand for, will stand for it. And right. don't just... Put your finger up to the wind and figure out which way yeah. the wind is blowing today. People right. are tired of that. Yeah, and it's, it's always it's, it's interesting. Little di- uh, we talk again. We're talking about divided government, and uh, it's m- definitely the case when it comes to uh, House of Representative members that you know that if you if you look if you go online and you look at the opinion poll of of the country to the actual Congress, like mm-hmm. very low opinion of the actual Congress mm-hmm. as a body. Doesn't get anything done. Mm-hmm. All there is is gridlock. Blah blah blah. But then you take that those same people and you pull their actual. Or what is your opinion of your actual individual elected official? Well, it's really high, yeah, right? Yeah. And so people kind of say, "Well, I don't think the. I think the the. I think the legislative body doesn't get anything done. I, I can't stand it. Something needs to change." But yet they continue to support the same yeah. House of Representatives, the same person representing their district. Yep. And it's like, well, if you want 
change, then you have to hold them more accountable. Like you have, they have to lead. You have to send them to Washington and work with the body that's there yep. and, and work and get things done uh, for the sake of the country at large and work with the president, right? right. Work with his executive branch uh, to ex- to enforce the laws and bills that are made and and there's just a there's just there's brokenness there because there's so much division but the problem is not that there, there's not that there's division as you were saying earlier the problem is is that there the, the, the divided parties aren't willing to compromise on any level right i mean the, at any level look we've been dealing with a possible second stimulus yeah. for m- months now right, right and if there is um my goodness, if there was something in the past that would have shocked, you would think candidates uh, and congressmen and women out of their air of partisanship, it would be something like this, and nothing, nothing. It, it, and it it seems to really just be about well, we don't want to let either we don't want to let anybody think that you got the one up on us, yeah. so we're just going to hold this up, and yeah. that's just nonsense. It is nonsense. It's completely nonsense. You know, and um, my always my my thinking with this maybe maybe I'm just because I'm not in politics, but I was just like, you know, Democrats want a gun control law, Republicans want abortion laws. Okay, why couldn't those two come together and say, right, here's the deal: you give us something on abortion, we'll give you something on guns. Yeah, but that's never happened. Yeah. The, the 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 staying within their trenches. You know, like it's like World War One, where we're going to stay in our trenches, and we're just going to kind of the no man's land is going to stay no man's land, and we're not going to come and say, "Hey, let's realize that I'm going to get a little bit, and I'm going to give you a little bit, and right. we're going to come to a compromise." But that's never happened. Right. We'll give you a little bit on immigration. You give us a little bit on this, yeah. but that doesn't that doesn't happen, yeah. and that just kind of creates this continual. If we don't get everything we want then we're not going to play. Right. We're not going to negotiate. We're not going to play the game. And that's where a president needs to come in and go, for the sake of the country, you, if you're a Democrat, if you're a Democratic president, you come to your, your Democratic parties in the House in the House and the Senate, you say, hey, we need to get this passed. This, we're we're going to give up this to get that. Right. And that's how you lead. But it seems like there's just no playing that. It's like, well, we can't do that because if we do that, our people back home won't be happy. It's yep. like, well, you're supposed to lead. Yep. Tell the people why this is important. Right. Right. You know, um, Susan Collins, by the way, won nine in a nine-point blowout in, uh, in Maine. They like her. Um, yes. And, <laughs> and so I guess know, humility and integrity does go somewhere. You know. And, even and, in U.S. politics. And at the end of the day, if this keeps on rolling like it does, I think the people become more and more starved for it and more and more desirous of it. So whenever anyone uh, who claims that ground, honorable ground, principled ground, uh, look, it's an untapped well right now. Uh, please go for it. Uh, I do want to say uh, that it, I think it's very good for the country to have our first uh, woman vice president. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a what a great story. Uh, I, I heard I was listening to the argument uh, podcast the other day, and Ross Douthat was talking about how uh, he has four kids now. I think he has uh, two daughters, and how happy he is uh, to have somebody like Amy Coney Barrett Mm-hmm. on the Supreme Court. Yeah. You know, look, these are things that are good for the country and good. I mean, you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Good for every young woman in the country to be able to see uh, a woman attain to these places. Uh, and so uh, positive thing happening right now. If you uh, if you have a daughter um, who's, like, a little bit older than, like, infant age, like, so she's, like, you can read her non-cardboard like cardboard 
board books. There's a book that I bought Maggie we bought at the library one day, like a while back, and it's called Gracie Runs for President. Mm-hmm. And Gracie's this little girl who is in her class, and she recognizes that there's no women presidents. Yep. And, uh, and so the whole book is about how this class does an election. They have each student, uh, they have two candidates. One's the, a boy candidate, one's a girl candidate, and Gracie. And all the other students in the class all, all represent a state. Yep. And they will give their electoral votes to whomever they vote for, right? right? And at the end of the story, one of the boys, because basically it was like a, all the boys voted for the boy and all the girls voted for the, for the girl, but there was one last state, uh, I think it was Wyoming, that's one boy, and she he voted for Gracie. And so she won 270 electoral votes, basically. Right. And so she became the president of her class. Yeah. Uh, and so at the end of the story, she said that she wanted to grow up and be the president, mm-hmm. right? So like stories like that are good for girls because they recognize, my daughter's seven, she recognizes there's never been a woman's president before. Mm-hmm. And so this, I, even with a, a woman vice president, which is not as high-profiling, obviously, as a president, is still like... A positive thing. Yep. If you and I realize that you know Kamala Harris is not. We don't. I don't probably agree with hardly anything that she stands for. Um, you know, especially her view on abortion, her view on climate change, her view on other issues. But at the end of the day, it's still an encouraging thing to know that you know we have a woman vice vice president, right. and it's the first black woman vice president and the first Indian. Because she's got her, her mother's from India. She's also the first Indian vice president and the first biracial vice president. All these like, right. firsts with her. So, yeah. Right. And her husband is Jewish. Correct? And her husband is Jewish. Right. Yeah. You know, uh, I saw, <laughs> saw something on Twitter, you know, to call him the. First, uh, first second. Uh, what is it? Second. Second dude. Mr. <laughs> I can't remember. I saw, the... I saw second dude and I like that a lot. Second dude. <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, the good. first second dude yeah, is yeah, yeah. Jewish. Right. <laughs> yes. yeah. It's a lot of firsts, and then the president's a seventy-seven year old white man. Right, we've had plenty of those. That's right, that's right. You know. <laughs> so, so let me ask you before we 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 close, and um, what are you? Do you think I, I, I'm interested in what you think? Do you think that, but Joe Biden will be eighty-one years old when he runs for re-election? Do you think that he should run again, or do you think that? At that age, that he should uh, only run for one term. You know, uh, I, I expect he will run again. Uh, most everybody that you hear from admits that he's lost a step. He doesn't yeah. seem to be the same Joe Biden. He was a fiery guy. Uh, sure, yeah, he, yeah. He, he was known to have a lot more energy in the past. But how this job ages you. Right, and that's, that's, my, that's, that's true. That's my and question. That's, true. that's my question. Um, and, and so we'll have to see. You know, honestly, right now, I would say that as long as they can keep him around, they will keep him around. It's pretty unprecedented to uh, bow out. It's it's not it, it, to me. It will be more likely that something happens to him. Uh, God forbid. Sure. sure. Uh, in office, just due to his age. Due to his age, yeah. and it seems very unlikely given history. For him to step down and say, "No, I'm going to go ahead." There, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let Kamala Harris run, and I'll be in the background. I don't, I don't know of a time in history that that has but happened. I, I, I would be curious to see how the uh, how Washington would react to that. But for someone to go, I'm only going to run for one term. This is my only term. I'm going to try to get as much done as I can in four years. 
how much power that gives that's you. That's like, true. You're not, no, that's you're, true. You're not beholden to anyone, are that's you? Right. And he could be someone who does that because just because of his age. That's true. He could say, well, based off my age and how this this job takes a lot out of you, I'm going to do one term, and uh, I'm not beholden to anyone. I'm not running for re-election. I'm not yeah. trying to be popular. I'm just trying to get something done. That's right. How historic would that be? That's true, and that would be one of the... That would be Washington-esque. Washington-esque. Yeah. That would be one of the smarter ways to play this. Um, it'd be bold. It would be. You know, he certainly seems to have good days and bad days right now. Yeah. Uh, his, his speech uh, on Saturday seemed pretty sharp. Um, but some of those debates and some moments, obviously, on the campaign trail, uh, which is grueling. It is but grueling. at the same time, he did not seem to be on top of what he was saying some of the time. Yeah. Uh, there were certainly smears. Sometimes he, he was fine, and they were just, you know, look, I mean, people, if, if, if I was followed around every day and had to speak to people five, six times a day, I would say some dumb stuff. So yeah. it's oh, not absolutely. about that. Some of these things are overplayed, I think but he so certainly well. had some moments yeah. that... Uh, he did not seem to be really on top of things. And so you're right. Uh, the presidency really does age someone. Um, but from the standpoint of, uh, you know, I, it, the great lesson of Joe Biden and uh, will they push him to continue is right now that he was by far uh, the president can't, presidential candidate in the Democratic primary with the least energy, right. I would say. Right. Uh, but meanwhile... Steady Joe, still, still the man. Yeah, steady. So any, exactly. Anything you want to? Anything you would? If you could speak to Biden right now, if he was listening to us, for whatever reason, what would you like to to say to him before um, he takes office? What I've heard him say so far is encouraging. From the standpoint of he, he's saying what he should be saying from the elected president uh, by certain parts of the electorate, but uh, he'll try to be the president for all of America. And uh, if that were to continue, um, that's mostly what I would want yeah. from a Biden administration. That there's there's a lot. Of, I, I I'll say it like this. I think that we've talked about pluralism a for lot, a while. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but this is a time where we're doing an experiment in genuine pluralism. You know, look, uh, the answer to the riddle of uh, was this country uh, a Christian nation to me is. Well, no, it was a nation with a lot of Christians in it. Right. And this background of Christianity has made a lot of things much simpler. I mean, the in first the past. people to come here were Christians, and it was very much in that rootedness. But yeah, exactly. There's a lot of Christians. Right. And that yeah. made for a lot of the values. Uh, you know, this is the explanation that I have for why in you know, 1960 the platforms were nearly identical. Right. And, and that's uh, not always been the case in this country, but a lot, on a lot of values discussions. But meanwhile, now we, we have never, uh, in my understanding, in the history of this country been so divided as far as genuinely what we value. Uh, it, it, is, it is straightforward that the Republican base is reading it right that they hold the opposite values of the Democratic base and vice versa. Yeah. These are, these are, there's not going to be a lot of compromise here. Right. Uh, these are different things. The clash between that we're going to see between uh, religious liberty and uh, the desires of uh, LGBTQ individuals, uh, these, there's not a lot of middle ground in this uh, as far as telling, say, uh, religious employers what they have to do uh, things that we're about to see, you know, I'm sure we'll be talking sometime in the next few weeks about um, the Equality Act. Uh, I, I am opposed to telling teachers that they have to call a child by whatever pronoun they've decided that they are. 
Uh, and that, that could be on, that's one of these things that uh, Joe Biden has already mentioned for the first 100 days. I, I've been reading up on uh, 2016 when this hit Canada and some issues that happened there. And, and so we're going to be looking at some, some divisive, difficult topics soon. But yeah. there's a lot of America to govern. And forging a path to pluralism right now is, to me, the front of any elite world leader's desk, especially in the West. Uh, we, we have not done this before, and we're not doing it very well right now. So that's the thing we're going to have to figure out how to do. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm thinking of Abraham Lincoln's speech, you know, a divided nation cannot stand. We can't stand if we are divided. And mm-hmm. um, and I think throughout history, you know, what has unified America? And I think an, an ambitious task by which the country has to come together and accomplish, even if it's, you know, we've been talking a lot about, and I've been, you know, watching shows we talked about a while back about space and things like that. And you remember that time in the 60s uh, when the nation rallied around each other and to beat the Russians to get to the moon, and there was just a lot of uh, working together and, and to accomplish this this task. I think America needs that again. You know, um, we we need something to, that at the end of the day we can say, well, we're, we're Americans and we're doing something that is that is good, it's purposeful, it has um, impact on the world. I don't know what that is. Um, then again, I'm not the president, right? I don't have the, the microphone to make that call or to push that. But, you know, President Kennedy that day said, you know, we're going to beat the Russians to the moon. We're going to do this by the end of the decade. Like that, no one's ever done that since then. Like yeah. no one's done that. And no one who's been president ever gone, I can say what I pretty much whatever I want because I'm president and I have a microphone in front of my face and there's a seal right on the pulpit that I'm speaking from and I can say what I want and I'm going to say this even though we don't know how much it'll we, how much it'll cost we don't know how we'll get there but we're going to do it anyways because I think America can do it that needs to happen yeah. and I don't know what that is but I think something like that needs to happen and maybe Biden is the guy to do that you know or someone in his cabinet or someone in his administration is one that pushes him to that to that hey if you want America to be united, then we have to come together to accomplish something great together. And um, and I don't think that's identity politics. I don't think is that is the issue. I don't think it's uh, you know the Equality Act as you mentioned earlier. I think it's something that it's and it obviously has not. It's not mask mandate. It's not like how do we all mask everyone so that nobody gets COVID. That's there's too much division even there. So I think that. Coming up with something where you are rallying Americans together to do something, I think will be key, um, and or they'll continue to be this division going forward. So, common goals is your call for the Biden administration. So, good luck. I, I hope and vision for casting some. that. Right, right. I mean, we do that at church, right? We try mm-hmm. to find common goals, sure. common vision. I mean, it's 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 that's how you do it as a community of people. So, uh, yeah. Lot, lot to hopefully that's we're done talking about the the election and we can move forward and talk about other important issues in the weeks to come. So, All right, this has been Empire of the Future. We'll see you in the future.